Welcome to part two of the Gifted Awareness Week podcast. If you haven't had a chance to listen to episode one yet, uh, jump onto that. Maybe listen to that one first. We'll be here when you get back. Okay, welcome back. We are bringing you part two now of the interviews that Rebecca Napier and I did with a group of gifted students and their parents as part of Gifted Awareness Week in the lead up to Gifted Awareness Week. This second half of the interviews feature uh, Amy and her mum Kylie, Alexa and her mum Fran, but we are going to start off with Charlotte and her dad, Nick. Here we go. Well, thank you very much for, for coming and joining us today, Charlotte. Thank you very much. Uh, you're at Cardine College in year... Nine. Year nine. Oh, year nine. Right. Fantastic. And Nick, dad, joins us too. Yeah, there I'm you go. Here. You're not my dad. No. You're Charlotte's dad. I don't think I you're think my so. dad. Well, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that old. I was going to say, we look sort of similar age, so that would be a little bit hard. Um, Charlotte, uh, can you tell me a little bit about um, the very first experience that you had when you realised that kind of um, uh, your sort of developing abilities were different or uh, higher or different to, to, the, to the classmates about you? Can you tell us the story of, of that time? Well, um, I don't think there was a specific moment, to be honest. Um, I remember my parents have told me before that I'm gifted and there's been like tests done and other stuff like that. But when was the first time you, you heard that, do you remember? Um, I think in um, my first years of primary school when I was being given um, like the maths work that I had, we had like, I think we had specific maths like equations, I guess, for um, different days of the week. And there was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and there was a different set for each day. And everyone else had like the specific sheet. And I remember my sheet was different. And it was right. like a different color or something. I don't know why I just I just noticed that. And um, I was like, why is mine a different color? And I remember um, one of the other kids being like, oh, you have the harder work. And then I was just sort of like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you, you had no inkling that this was going to happen? Well, I, I don't know, to be honest. I'm not sure if I remember, but um, I don't think I realized at the time that it would sort of make me different from my classmates and that it would have different work I guess from my classmates right and then how did things kind of like develop from there what was the journey like from that moment onwards um well I um throughout primary school I was given like extension work um when I moved to another primary school there was a whole um extension enrichment program they called it and it was me and a group of other gifted kids and um we did like spelling stuff and English stuff and math stuff and we'd be taken out of class sometimes to do it and um, sometimes we go on excursions to like, um, I think it was like a problem solving thing we went to a couple of years in a row. And um, yeah, so um, throughout high school so far, I haven't had as much of that, but um, I guess it's just sort of making the work more challenging and getting more extension. Yeah. In your, in your experience, like what has um, been the biggest challenge to you about the idea that you're doing work that's different from, from other people? Um, well, I guess like um, sort of there's like a barrier in, in primary school, especially not so much now, but there was like a barrier between me and the other students. There'd be like um, people were doing this work and I was doing a different work. It wasn't like I could go to my friend and be like, oh, can I, you know, have you finished this problem? Um, can I have some help with this with my friends? Um, and like I couldn't really have the same like um, peer environment with like, um, being able to ask your friends for help because I was doing a completely different thing from them. Yeah. 
How does that, um, if, if, I, if I can ask, how does that sort of like affect um, the ideas of, of being able to sort of like, because friendships are kind of cultivated in that space a lot. How has it been for you in terms of like baking friends and forming relationships? Has that been something that you've kind of managed to sort of find your tribe and the people that you kind of uh, can relate to and get along with? Or has there been sort of other challenges involved in that? Um, well, in high school, like I feel like the barriers have sort of disappeared and um, it's a lot more... Um, like because there's not as much like the whole enrichment program thing and I'm doing similar work to everyone else and it's still um, quite challenging so um, I'm still being able to ask my friends for help but in primary school I'm guessing it had a lot of like barriers and a lot of um, people being like oh she's different and um, I guess it sort of separated me and other gifted children from um, the other kids who were I guess traveling at more of a regular pace. Yeah, I think there's a probably a misconception as well that the idea that you know being gifted means you don't need help and you don't need assistance. I mean, for you, what do you think is the most um, the, th- the the sort of the biggest misconception about um, um, gifted children as opposed to kids who are in, in mainstream? Well, I guess um, there's the belief that we're completely independent, um, and yeah, I guess like gifted kids can be more independent, and we can. Um, get more of um, that skill quicker I guess and um, we can develop that skill more and um, quite often like we're happier being independent as it would be with other kids as well some kids like working independently some kids are more independent but um, I feel like we do need um, like support as well from teachers from our friends and um, we're not like um, we're not different I mean, yeah. we are different, but we're not, if that yeah. makes sense. No, that makes sense. So if you could say, like you say, like there's one particular thing that, that, uh, that, that gifted children need, if you had to choose like one thing that you could kind of like ask for that there needs to be more of in a school setting, what would you, what would you ask for? Just like um, understanding support, just, yeah, um, just to have like um, the, I guess, the support um, from teachers, from friends, and um, have them understand that it's not just like, we're not all independent, we're not like um, superhumans. We need the support, we need um, like extra help sometimes. And um, like, we're not, we're not robots, we're sure. <laughs> we need the support. Okay, so Nicholas, thank you so much for coming today to support your family and Gifted Awareness Week and for getting the message out there for what gifted children need and what it's like to raise a gifted child. So. Um, can you tell me when you first realised that Charlotte had high abilities, that she was possibly gifted? Have you got some memories from that time? Uh, I think there's two different questions there. Um, realising that someone's high ability and realising that someone's gifted, although they are labels in themselves. Um, I think being an educator myself, um, I'm, I was pretty uh, reluctant to, to want to put my daughter in that gifted label because at that time people were still talking about gifted and talented and now we're beginning to realise that gifted and talented are actually two different things. And then when you start to look at what gifted is, I think everybody identifies their child at very young ages of, ooh, they're this or they're that. So when she was really young, you know, you'd get grandparents and you'd get friends and that kind of thing going, ooh, she's, she's, she's going to be really intelligent, she's mm. going to be... But I think... I think there's ultimately that bias. So I was reluctant to to really recognise um, that that was the case. It was obviously obvious that she was bright, but 
um, how that morphs and how that materializes when when kids get into different environments um, that that can change and so I was quite reluctant in the early stages but I think in the back of my mind I always sort of knew that we were close to gifted or gifted when you've got mm-hmm. a child who's teaching herself to read and you have to do very little about it and yes. then you're going in to read her stories because um, at a young age even a gifted child wants you to read them stories um, when you're going to do that and then she's correcting lit words <laughs> as you're reading she it. was the reading teacher sometimes yeah. and like when it. I'm really tired and I'm just missing out bits of the book and she's going you've missed that bit out you need to go back to the other page and I'm like what Oh, very okay. pedantic at times yeah yes. so and and then when she's you're realizing that she's got about five books on, on the go at once sure and i'm sure this was two or three years old mm. and i'm like this is just insane so mm. i think i knew in my back of my mind but it came to a point when she was in primary school where um um i really wanted to formalize that process myself and my wife felt like we needed to um actually have something that we could say that we could provide educators going forward, which gave uh, right. gave them some ideas, not only of where she was at, but what could be done about mm. um, that that analysis or that diagnosis, as it were. So we found a source that did um, psychological testing. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, you could you could look at the accuracy of that and 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 you know and and pick that apart as you want but it, it gave us something to go on and um yeah we had to pay for that but uh, i think it was worth doing because that gave us um a particular place and a report that we could mm-hmm. produce to people that said they recognize that she is this and that um this is the stage she's at and this is the level she's reading at the moment and this is the level she's so it was numeracy and literacy really mm-hmm. and then but that also gave us a number of strategies that um that they recommend um, going forward within primary school so that was that we felt that was useful to do um and it's we've never we've never come back to that but and so nick it sounds like you've really thought deeply about the issues around the label of gifted about when and how and why to have a child assessed for giftedness could you just briefly tell me what do you think of the you've mentioned in terms of school provisions that that's a real benefit of being assessed as being gifted have you found any other benefits other than just um, and I'm not going to, probably just is not the right word, but other than just providing it to schools, how else has that helped you? Because it sounds like you were very reluctant to do it. And then when you did it, mm. you did it as a tool. It was very strategic. I think it, How else has it helped you as yeah, a family? I think we needed to do it for, or I needed to do it for myself as well to um, to get some idea of where she was at. As I said, I'm, a, I'm an educator myself. So I've had experience of having gifted kids in my class and kids of all mm. sorts of special needs. And that that's the key point here. It is a special need. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not a special need that comes with funding. <laughs> it's not a special need that comes with with a lot of um, understanding and appreciation in a classroom. There's no doubt about it. No matter what we say, every school teaches to the middle because mm. that's where most of the kids are. So if you're going to teach to the middle and then you've got no support for this end, then what do you do about that? And I'm guilty as that, as mm. of doing that the same as any other educator. So... I think it gave us, it gave me that information of so what can be done, what 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 are the things to look out for, what are ways forward. I'm not sure the, the really the the testing and analysis gave me that, but it at least allowed me a platform to start thinking about that. Mm, excellent. So in terms of raising a gifted child, 
Can you tell me what might be some of the unique experiences for your family, for, for instance, in comparison to some of the other journeys that you see going on when people are raising children that are developing more normally, more typically? What do you think is very unique about that experience? I think it's really hard to talk about um, whether something comes under the fact that it's a gifted child or is it just raising a child because, and comparing yourself relative to somebody else, I mean, it's, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? One minute it's all, everything's great and next minute everything's like, you know, it's the worst moments in your life suddenly as a parent and you go through those those ups and downs, that's, that's part of it. So I think that's very difficult to answer. I think there are some issues you are going to face is that they are going to go through an education system and it is a system and is that system really going to work for your child at different times mm. no mm. um but that's that that could probably come with or that does come because i've got another child as well and she's mm. clearly not gifted um so they're different challenges for different mm. different children so we've had um different moments during her school in which have been really challenging and other moments which have been um I feel have been really good things for her to get involved in. And then we've also been had to be aware of that idea of, oh, you can push a child on, you know, so you can push them on in years. Let's advance them in years. Oh, mm, let's be careful with that because that, that doesn't work half the time. So in an education context, that idea of advancing a child because they're gifted is, comes with its own challenges as well. For example, if we talk about reading, um, a gifted child in a literacy capacity, so gifted, uh, gifted in reading, will quickly run out of books to read mm-hmm. because absolutely, they might eat books. Yeah, because <laughs> their content, the content of books at a certain age level, becomes something they shouldn't be reading at that age level. Mm. So that becomes a challenge. Mm. That's an example. Having to filter the content. Yeah, I'll go. Well, what books can you read? Because really you could read adult books that I'm reading but I'm not sure you'd want to be reading about mm. the themes or have the themes put in front of a, an eight-year-old child for example. So I can hear all the way through our conversations you're reticent to really use the concept of gifted across all contexts. Um, Definitely. That, that it's very much like a piece of paper for you but let's take the whole child, let's let this exactly. be needs-driven um, which is a great approach but if you'll, if you'll allow me can we play with the idea of gifted because I'd like to know what could you say, and if you don't want to own the question, that's fine, but what could you say that you've learned about raising a gifted child? What have you learned about raising a gifted child? I think it's, number one, that they're not gifted in all aspects. Number two, that they um, still need explanation and they still need support in different areas. Number three, it's about um, just because they're gifted in certain things, do not stop giving them breadth. Indeed, encourage more breadth. Challenge them with breadth because they may not be gifted in other things, so why not challenge them in those things? Amy, thank you very much for for joining us. You're at Cardine in Year 7, is that right? Lovely. Great to have you here. Thanks for coming in. And uh, Kylie, Mum, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming in today. Now, um, Amy, uh, the first experience you had when you realised that kind of your abilities were different from your classmates around you. Do you remember the moment, the very first moment that it occurred to you? Kind of when like I was in year three and we just finished NAPLAN and we got our results back mm-hmm. and I got like really high scores. Mm-hmm. That was the very first moment that you realised it. And so where were they sitting on the chart? Really high. Really high, yeah, okay. Oh, we've been talking before about the whole kind of like the label of being 
people say being gifted you know what i mean and it is kind of like something that people use as a kind of a description for for people with those incredibly high abilities what does it mean to you that that um that word it doesn't really mean anything it's just someone that knows things like maths and english yeah they're the two that you're really really good at yeah. And what, what do you enjoy most about maths and English? I like maths because, like, you can only have one answer yeah. for something. Yeah. People quite often have sort of, like, misconceptions that um, uh, are about people in, in certain um, – who have certain abilities or don't have certain abilities when they only have a kind of, like, an understanding. Like, oh, gifted kids are like this, you know. This is what gifted people are about. What do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about a child that's gifted? That they think that gifted children, like, are really good at everything. Like, right. they're really good at it and they don't need help. Like, sometimes they do. And what, what do they need help in? Like, sometimes, like, if the questions are harder, you don't understand it as well. Mm. So this idea that regardless of what the question is, is going, oh, don't worry about Amy. She's gifted. She'll, she'll be fine with it. She'll be okay. But you're actually saying, no, actually, at sometimes I actually do need some help. You know, it's not just a free pass to kind of get through all questions easily. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting. Um, uh, if you could choose one thing that you'd like other people to know about um, gifted, being gifted and the kind of needs you had, if you could choose one thing that you could tell people about that could be done better or, or given more, what would that be if you had to choose one thing? That the work has to be interesting or you'll like stop doing it. Okay. Mm, really so important idea. That is really important. So it's not just a matter that it's challenging, that it's difficult. It actually still has to be interesting. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay, so we're going to move to Kylie. Great to have a parent's voice on what it's like to raise a gifted child, especially leading into Gifted Awareness Week. So thank you so much for being a part of this. So can you tell me when you first realised that Amy was gifted or that she was a little bit different and was standing out from the crowd that way? What, what stood out to you? I guess, um, like some of the other parents, Amy was our first child. Um, so, and a lot of our um, friends at the time didn't have children. So we actually like a lot of parents, uh, we're just like our Amy was doing well. She was um, accomplishing her milestones quite easily, um, but we didn't actually have anything to say to compare her to. So we hmm. actually just assumed she was pretty much um, going along with the flow, really. She was um, a happy, healthy uh, little girl growing up. I guess uh, when she did, um, Amy, we were, um, uh, Amy was born in London, and so she actually started... Um, uh, school when she was three, she just turned threes when she went into kindy um, and she went into that without any problems. So she was um, uh, bringing readers home and bits and pieces at that point. Um, so that I guess that was probably the start, but we were just like, well, she's accomplishing things. That's great, mm, fantastic. Great. She's happy, she's enjoying school. Um, I guess overall, Amy has always enjoyed the school environment. Um, like there's never been a problem with her going to school. She's always loved learning. I guess that's one thing that's kind of, uh, say, with our other children, maybe not so much the enthusiasm to go to school. Um, but when um, she did, uh, say, finish kindy, she was doing quite well uh, and left there. And when she went into reception, which was when she just turned four, um, she was um, kind of, they did identify that she was at risk 
within her class as being bright. At risk, what an interesting term. Um, it was mainly because um, where we were in, in the kind of uh, collective, we were in a school that had actually 85 languages within the school. It was a very diverse um, community. Um, within Amy's class, Amy was only one of two students that English was actually their first language. Um, so there was actually quite a lot of um, diversity within the environment. But also within that, there were actually challenges within um, that uh, particular dynamic in relation to you had a lot of children that were trying to get to a certain level and that Amy at being at the age that she was she was already accomplished those levels so she was actually at risk because there wasn't necessarily the resources to assist her with any additional learning so right. she was, there was actually, nowhere for her to go there was nowhere for her to go yeah. and there was a larger um, environment of children that um, I guess needed assistance um, not saying that Amy didn't but then um, it always comes down to the, um, uh, I suppose one of the other questions is that actually if your child is gifted um, or bright or talented, there are not necessarily the facilities um, or resources within um, education to assist that going forward. As a parent, you actually really have to um, push for it. So I guess. So let me ask you, Kylie, do you agree that gifted children are at risk in an education system? They are. I, I do think, um, especially um, uh, from a personal experience, if your, children is, if your child is not engaged, is not interested, um, is not um, using their brains, not actually expanding their um, periphery of their subjects, not actually looking at things from different perspectives or um, like still using the same curriculum but doing something that's kind of a little bit further out there, they actually just stop mm. because they're like, well, what, you know, I, I can get this. Or, sure. Um, and I guess um, recently we had the conversation is that while um, the way the education system is, it is repetitive. You are there to, your children are taught the same thing over and over again. You know, and that's the way education is. It is repetitive, so your child picks it up and they keep going. When you have a gifted child that picks something up the first time it's taught, they don't need it to hear it the second time or mm. the third time because they've already they've learned that. They don't need to relearn something they've already learned. They mm. they want that next. Mm. They're ready for the next thing. They're ready for the a next thing, or sooner. or that thing they've learned. It needs to be expanded into something else because mm. otherwise like literally lesson two well you're repeating what I've already you know so it's it's not some you know they can just cruise okay and I think that's the thing gifted children can cruise mm. at a high level but doesn't necessarily they're u using their abilities to get mm. there they're just literally yeah give me the sums or give me the work and I will achieve your A's or I will achieve whatever you know a high level but doesn't necessarily they're actually using their capabilities. They, uh, one of the ladies explained to us is you can be an A-grade student but only using a C-grade level of your intelligence. Mm. Wow. Doesn't mean yeah, that you're necessarily... Really, yeah. doesn't necessarily metaphor. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually using what you... You can achieve it, but mm. doesn't necessarily mean that you couldn't achieve more. And I guess, as you said, you know, it, it is a risk mm. because it's not giving your child... The capability but on the flip side you don't want it to become too hard that they actually sit there and they take a step mm. back because then it's 
too much. It's a fine balance. It's a fine balance and I think communication is a really big thing to your child and yourself that has to be an open communication that they want to, they need to want to communicate that with you if something is too hard or it's too easy because they don't necessarily communicate that with you and if you don't know you can't go into bat for them because you do have to go into bat for them. You do. A lot of gifted parents go into bat a lot mm. and frequently. And you do, and you do. Yes, quite you a learn lot. to be an advocate for your child. Yeah. And hopefully in really positive ways and hopefully you work alongside schools mm. and work together in a partnership and I know that happens in a lot of places mm. and spaces. Can I ask you, Kylie, what do you think some of the main differences are or even if you can narrow it down to one main difference between raising a gifted child and a child who's developing more normally or typically? I know you've got several children, but yeah. this is not about comparing brothers and sisters necessarily. Just in the bigger picture when you look at... Um, raising a gifted child, perhaps you've talked to other gifted parents or you watch things going on, what do you, what well, do you see? I think the hardest thing being is you don't necessarily come across gifted parents. You know, it's not something that you necessarily sit there and go, oh, my child is talented, my child is gifted. Mm. Because you don't necessarily... It doesn't come up at school drop-off that often? No, no. no it, does, it doesn't come up at school drop-off. <laughs> and then you also have to realise that you that not everybody else's child is the... The same, and it's kind of you don't want your your child to necessarily be. Um, I wouldn't say vict- victimised is the wrong word, but be made to be singled different. out. Singled yeah. out. You yeah. don't want your child to be singled out because they are um, on either end of the scale. You don't want them to be singled out because they're too bright, or you don't want them to be singled out because they're not quite as good a learner as well. But I must admit, personally, I haven't come across very many gifted parents or, or talented ch- children or whatever else like that, because we, we were in a small school. We went from a very big school to a small school. And actually it's more now that um, Amy's moved into a high school environment that there is a larger contingent of children at varying different scales that it actually has maybe opened up the opportunity to meet other parents. And, and things like today actually gives that opportunity as well, because uh, I think a lot of the parents, we have the same differentials, I suppose. You could say mm. that we've all kind of... There's probably a common thread across all of us. Um, But no, no, to meet gifted parents, no, it's not a... So today's a special opportunity for you... It is a special opportunity for me. ...to be able to compare notes and to connect with other families within our sector that are enjoying the same challenges and opportunities around raising a gifted child. Thank you very much for joining us, Alexa and Fran, mum of Alexa. You. Now, Alexa, uh, you are in, tell me what year you're in and what school you're I'm at. I'm in year six mm-hmm. and I um, go to St. Augustine's Parish School. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. Um, can you tell me about the very first experience that you ever had, the very first one you can remember where you went, you know what, my abilities in school are different to those around me? Um, it's kind of like I noticed I get high te- um, high schools and math tests when I was around um, in year t- two to three in like my mm-hmm. school. Year two to three. I just found it easy, really. Yeah. The, the word gifted is kind of like a, it's, it's a label that's kind of given that I think a lot of people that, 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 that use the term probably don't know really the extent of what it means. Like, it's just something we go, oh, that's a gifted child. People often think, oh, they're very bright or they're very, you know, they're kind of very, very smart. For you, kind of being in that, um, uh, on the other side of the fence there, like, to you, what does it mean to be gifted? If you had to define it yourself. 
I guess just like really talented or something. Uh, really talented at something, really good at something. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's my definition of it now. And, and what does it mean like in, in terms of yourself? Like what is it that you find easiest? Like what is it that you find that you do so that you do well in? Mathematics. Mathematics. What, why do you think mathematics is something that comes easily to you? <laughs> it just came easily to me. I mm. don't know how it works. Okay. So do you remember like an early experience when you kind of like looked at a mathematics problem and just went, oh, actually, this just makes perfect sense. Can you remember yeah. a moment where that happened? <laughs> I just feel like when the teacher asked me a times table, I'd be like, it takes two seconds to figure it out. For example, like seven times six is 42. Yeah. So I just be like, oh, the answer is 42. And everybody takes like 10 seconds to find out the answer to that same question. Right. So like, is it that you kind of like, um, you, you remember hearing that like the first time or you kind of like, worked at all that or does in your head do you just kind of like compute that compute like a calculator that. right that's really I interesting guess you could say i compute that maybe and this was always the case this was always something that you experienced yeah okay fran we're gonna move on to you okay <laughs> can you tell me about a time when you realized first of all that alexa was gifted um it's not really gifted in a sense that she's like a head from her age group. So when she was three, she's really interested in, uh, before we sleep, we have to, I have to give you a book and then we count. <laughs> Within the book, you have to count something. Sometimes they hide something and then you open up. Oh, oh yeah, that's you that got thing. It, that's you that got thing. it right. It's like one of them, like, you know, them books, which are like, like the pages are like cardboard or something. And then there's like things that you need to take down. Yeah, or yeah, okay. yeah. So it's yeah. very engaging. Um, and from there, um, we move on to, um, um, basic addition. Um, she knows already by the time she was in reception or kinder, but she already knows the basic math. Right. And then by the time she moved And where did she learn this? Um, uh. <laughs> at home. At home. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. this is just something she just picked up along yeah, the way. Yeah, it's like because we, we are engineers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So my parents are engineers. They studied engineering in like high school and university. All right. Yeah. So there's ma maths is all around the house, Math basically. Yeah. So we started by counting coins, the clock, and then um, moving on. Um, towards her uh, reception and then primary year, she's always ahead with when it comes to math. Example, the teacher, okay, we basic addition, she's already done that. Uh, mm -hmm. She's almost perfect from her score and got feedback from the teacher and I'm very happy with her uh, result. And then they move on to multiplication, division. By the time they, they were at probably one times two and the three, so she's already at a mm. seven or 10, mm. that, that multiplication. Yep. And then it's even uh. more, um, with a degree of the challenge, she's already there. And um, by um, we already feedback uh, receive feedback from teachers that um, uh. Uh, she needs to be in an enrichment class. Um, so she was put on like B bots and a little bit of coding, the Lego Lego something. And then um, yeah, th from there on, it's a support that the school provided to these kids with a certain. Um, which is ahead of their peers. Yeah. So friend, so friend, it was mainly the school that flagged that with you. So it was oh, yeah. her results. It was what she was offered at school. Yeah, yeah. You didn't necessarily notice when she was home before mm -hmm. she attended school, but as soon as she got no. into school, that's when you noticed that. Yeah. She from, was because from what I understand, some we have other peers, like parents, or we talk among, and then they have the kids which are already competing like at certain levels, but they are just year five, and it's yeah, very good at especially with math and sciences. And then um, moving on, um, it's really hard to find a teacher who knows, you know, you can point out something and then develop the kid. Mm -hmm. 
and who has passion when it comes to learning and support the needs of the kids, that's that's really a gem if the school has that. Mm -hmm. Because um, your your kid won't be pulled in with the general, with the average, I mean, uh, with her peers, because she's already at that level. So mm -hmm. you need to move on to keep that stimulus, to yeah. keep the momentum going. And then when I when I get this gifted poem, because I have this 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 friend who she's now working for the Department of in, uh, Education, um, writing policies, I believe so. That there is a gap when it comes to the education system. Mm -hmm. That certain uh, kids of this type were not properly supported. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure I'm hoping that. She's um, doing a bit of different when it comes to this uh, level of yeah yeah yeah. So, um, so yes. Fran, what are some of the main differences do you think raising a gifted child compared to a child that may not be traveling along at that rate? I only have two kids. The <laughs> other one is two year old. <laughs> she's she's a, uh, but I uh, have noticed um, uh, raising a kid that that's their normal state. They might not know it, but to some other people who see something different. That's that's gifted in a sense that it's different and it's more higher than the le the normal, and um, um, it's a challenge because you need to keep that momentum going. Otherwise, mm. you might like pull up like a snail going mm -hmm. back to yeah. the shell. Mm -hmm. So that interest that's a, a th common theme that we're seeing that the interest and stimulation has to be there, yes. or else they're just going to go. Okay, I'm just going to. Be bored yeah. and disengaged from yes. all of this. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, what I've, I've noticed is like this this type of kids are easily get bored at a certain point in time. Yes. So you need to constantly stimulate or put the momentum, or keep the ch keep them a little bit of challenge mm. to keep going. As they conquer those challenges, that's how they realize as well that they have that ability. They might not know it. So, friend, what's one of the greatest opportunities you've discovered in raising a gifted child? Maybe it wasn't something that you expected, but what's one of the best things, a great opportunity that you've discovered in having a child that has those gifts and talents? I think it's, from, for me, the opportunity to, to get support. Mm. To get support. Because um, from the school, not just from the school, it's from the community as a Wonderful. whole. And also probably from the government mm. and, um, and the society. Because they might fall into the diverse you have to embrace diversity mm -hmm. this is part of the diversity not pe many people having those they might be good in sport they might be good in certain level they might be good in research but you have to open up those um, opportunity and you might be able to find out um, that there are more to that one mm -hmm. um, like you might find a gold and then uh, you know uncover something which is very useful mm -hmm. to their advantage or to the advantage of the society mm -hmm. I love what you said about this is our chance to embrace the diversity. We talk about so many different forms of diversity. And with Gifted Awareness Week coming up, this is really part of what we're doing. We're embracing the diversity and also supporting these children and raising awareness around what they need and who they are. Yes. And wonderful to be able to listen to the voice of the families on this. Um, in closing, you're our final interview today, so you get the last <laughs> word on today's recording. <laughs> um, if you could let other people know... One thing about the greatest need for parents of gifted children, we've talked a lot today about the needs of the children themselves. What about the parents of gifted children? What is their greatest need, do you think? Um, for parents of gifted children, um, continue to support your kids. Um, don't stop at certain point in time. Sometimes you might, you might be discouraged, but 
do not. Um, keep continuing, support your kids, um, get support from the school if you need to, and provide um, um, uh, resources, that's very important, and support. So it's the community as a whole. There could be other programs that might be coming up uh, with, with that sort of, you need to, it's, it's just like, you have to start it. So some, some, someone has to start it. And I think if uh, a lot of people having the same, um, having the same thinking, they will get to support you. And support is very important with this kind of diversity. So James has been our fantastic interviewer from RHD Radio. Oh, and you too, seriously. <laughs> Great. Amazing interview. Like, I've, I, having never, we've never done anything like this before. So it's been really great to, um, to to hear the questions that you ask. And also with the with the benefit of the knowledge that you have in your background uh, in terms of gifted education, the kind of, uh, the, the information that you've kind of already got that you can kind of like um, um, re really use to enable really good questions of them. It's been really fascinating to me. You know, I've learned a lot in this this morning going through all of these in these interviews as well. Wonderful. So at the end of our series of interviews, I thought I would flip the table a little bit. I know. I'm a bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and ask James some questions. This is not oh, no man. hugely right answers. I just believe that I've had such a deep investment in this area. Sure. But I'm still always learning from, I learned from everyone we met today. I yep. learned from each story, both the child's story, the adult story. And I just thought, what a privilege to jump in and ask James, really, what have you learned from today? Because I've been exposed to a lot of these concepts, but how wonderful to talk talk to actual families about these things. Yep. Um, so what have you learned from today? What are some of the themes, some of the big ideas that have jumped out at you? Uh, uh, I'd say that the one that probably jumps out to me the most is the is the recurring theme that uh, the students who are like recognised as gifted want to be recognised as more than that, that they're a whole person. They're kind of like their mm. own person first and being gifted second, which mm. can quite often be in an education setting when we're talking about educational needs. Um, those priorities can be flipped to a certain degree. But it really strikes me uh, as well, this whole idea of... Um, we we talk about kind of like student needs in in the classroom, and the needs are always tend to be kind of like focused on students um, at greater need of re reaching benchmarks which look I get and that makes perfect sense really because you always want to make sure that students do leave um, um, every year level and I guess school and SACE at the at the end of it all knowing that there's a certain um, um, benchmark and attainment level that they have going out into the world but that being said there's also um, um, such greater opportunity for these students and also the risk too I mean this was something that was brought up that really struck me the risk of not engaging students with that higher aptitude and that that gifted status um, that they can very easily withdraw mm. and potentially go backwards if their needs aren't met as well so you heard that from a lot of families I it's know. Like if you don't hook them if you don't grab their interests we're going to lose them yeah is this I mean oh, sorry just to kind of flip this all back again but it's like is this something that you have in Encountered before was any of this Absolutely. stuff? Absolutely, this is not, none of this stuff is really new. A, a lot of what I heard were things that I've heard from different families. But keep in mind, I've been in this field for over a decade, yeah. and multiple roles, and talked with many families. Uh, what I did love the most is what you've already highlighted: is please think of me as the whole person. Yeah. 
I love the message from the children in particular. Don't forget we have other needs and we still need help. Yeah. That was a theme that jumped out to me. We still need help. Don't assume we've got yeah. it all together. Don't assume that we don't need anything different or unique. We're here. Don't forget us. Um, and I loved the different shades of some of the stories, even just uh, – I really picked up on some of the social and emotional things that some of the children talked about. We didn't spend a lot of time on that. No. But they brought them up themselves, whether it was – barriers they'd experienced in primary school because of different curriculum and they weren't really mixing and mingling and there seemed to be a bit of alienation to even ideas around that some gifted children really like to work in isolation um, and independently and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing whether it's honored um, that's another issue but that was that was interesting coming through so leading into gifted awareness week as we are so at the time this podcast is released we'll be like right right there ready to go or we might people might be listening to this at this time, there's a really great opportunity um, that you're offering that mm. um, uh, uh, parents who have got students in Catholic schools can actually access during Gifted Awareness Week. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. So next week on Thursday evening at 7 o'clock, I believe that's the 27th of May, I'm hosting a session focused on perfectionism and the gifted child. It's a interactive workshop for parents to register and it's at Christ the King School and I think I said seven o'clock, so you can find that online. Uh, if you can't find it, please contact us at the office. We'd love to have you along. Numbers are growing and they're really looking forward to hosting our gifted families there at the school. Mm-hmm. So you can contact the office on 83016600 and uh, ask for you. Absolutely. Rebecca Napier. Yeah. Happy to speak with the families. Lovely. And uh, yeah, so... It's been fun. Thank you for um, getting me involved in this, Rebecca. It's been awesome, and uh, I'm so great. It's so great that we can use the School Life podcast as a way because we we try to explore as many different aspects of school life from the students' point of view as we possibly can. But we've never done anything around this, so and I think that it would be incomplete for us to not do this because it's clearly a big part of of uh, of, of the student experience, especially for those uh, students and families who who are like right in the middle of it, and it's been their lives so far. So thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. Lovely. Uh, the School Life Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, um, Google, um, iHeartRadio, uh, or if you want to subscribe to School Life, you can check out the link in the show notes. And uh, we will see you again uh, very, very soon with another School Life story. See you.